Let's open our Bibles. The precious, inspired, preserved Word of God to Luke chapter 4. And let's consider for a little while the spoken Word and the power thereof of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 4. Oh, I'm so thankful, and I hope you are, that we have a Savior who is our King and who sits at the right hand of the Majesty on high, who has unlimited power to help, to deliver, to comfort, to teach, to protect, to prosper, to convict, to, to lead us. And I hope that you'll lay hold of Him by faith this day. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe His Word. Trust His power. Call upon Him. Commit your lives to Him. He's able to speak the Word and to protect you in this life and give you eternal life in the world to come. In Luke chapter 4, I want to read to you verses 33 through 37. A passage I've read to you before. Some of these are thoughts I've shared with you before, but I want to stir you up in a little different way this time so that you will lay hold of confidence in Him, that you will trust Him every day and night of your lives, Amen. that you will know that He can speak the Word and deliver you from whatever you are facing and provide for you whatever you may need by the power of His Word. Amen. Luke chapter 4 I read at verse 33. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art. The Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this! For with authority and power... He commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. Amen. amen and amen. I want the fame of him to come into this church. And I want the fame of him to rise up in your hearts. And I want the fame of him to promote faith in your souls. That you'll lay hold of him who has such power in His Word, His spoken Word. What a word is this! Because Jesus said, Hold thy peace and come out of him. Shut up and quit talking and get out of that man. And they came out and they didn't hurt him. Now when you see that it threw him, the man may have fallen on the floor, but he was not harmed 
because the power of the word of the Lord Jesus Christ was come out of him for his benefit. Don't come out of him and tear him on your way out, but come out of him. I want you to remember that in the times of the New Testament, there was a lot of devil activity and a lot of angelic activity. There were angels that came down to the pool of Bethesda and would stir that water. And men could be healed if they were in the water first after the stirring. And there was lots of cases of devil possession. We don't have them identified as clearly today, but there are certainly a lot of lunatics and rock artists and rap artists. Let's not use those two words together. Rappers that look like they're devil-possessed and act like they're devil-possessed. We have mental institutions full of people, and they wonder why they can't cure them. They couldn't cure them in the New Testament times. We read about the Gadarene. He was left in the cemeteries. They would bind him with chains, but the chains would not hold him. He wouldn't be clothed. He wasn't in his right mind. He had strength beyond the strength of men. And he was cutting himself and crying out always. And we have a man like this. And he was in the synagogue on this occasion when the Lord Jesus Christ happened by. But now there's no happening with the Lord Jesus Christ, and He's with us today. And it's not by happen chance. He has called you out of this world or you wouldn't be here. You would not be here. You would not care. And the Lord Jesus Christ walks among His candlesticks, which are His churches, and He's with us today. You can call upon Him and He'll deliver you from any trouble that you face. He can deliver you as easily as He delivered this man. This man had the spirit of an unclean devil, and he had more than one spirit of an unclean devil. Because it says in verse 34, speaking, let us alone. What have we to do with thee? And then art thou come to destroy us? We remember that when the Gadarenes spoke to the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus said, what is your name? Do you think that spirit said, I'm not going to tell you? I love the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ today? I don't care what what problems you run up against. These were impossible problems. The man could not cure himself, and others could not cure him without the power of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ had that power. The Lord Jesus Christ asked the Gadarene and the spirit that was in him, What is your name? Our name is Legion. For we are many. We're going to get to that before we end the day. I want you to know, brethren, the most powerful foe that we know in the world is the devil himself. But the devil himself has to ask permission to even enter a pig. Does that give you comfort? Let alone enter you or your children. You call upon the Lord and be saved. He'll deliver you by his voice. The word of the Lord Jesus Christ is powerful. They don't question it. They know full well who he is. They know Jesus of Nazareth. Look at these words. Let us alone. What have we to do with thee? They're scared. They're frightened. The Bible tells us the devils fear and tremble before the Lord Jesus Christ. It's too bad that most who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved and call themselves Christians don't fear and tremble as much as the devil does. It's a shame. Most of them aren't saved. They've just mouthed a little mantra, a little prayer, 
And they're not saved at all. Because you are not saved by just forming some words with your lips. You've got to be saved by the life-giving power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's able to do it. And He does do it. And He does save men and changes them. These devils said, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? They knew who he was. They knew where he was from. And they said, art thou come to destroy us? <laughs> they know that they're to be destroyed. And they know who's going to do it. Brethren, do you rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ? He is a man. And he is God. He is the God-man. Our first father, Adam, was put in the Garden of Eden in a perfect situation of probation with a tree of life that could have preserved him and his descendants forever. But the devil deceived our first mother and our first father chose the woman over God and ruined our race. But the Lord Jesus Christ has come to fulfill the word of God that was spoken in Genesis 3 to that devil. Of her seed, I will raise up a son. I will raise up a male seed out of her that will bruise your head. A a bruise on a head is a fatal wound. He'll destroy you. Our first parents weren't strong enough. But the Lord Jesus Christ is stronger. The Bible refers to it as we being captives in the palace of the strong man. But a stronger man has come and delivered us. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he delivers us by his voice. And brethren, if it wouldn't have been for him saying, that one's mine. Live. We wouldn't be born again at this hour. We'd be under the control of that devil. Because I'll tell you, according to Ephesians chapter 2, we were happy being there. He had to save us against our own will. Because we were dead in trespasses and sins. We were walking according to the course of this world, according to the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Isn't that an amazing testimony? The Jews couldn't figure it out. The seminary graduates couldn't figure it out that Jesus of Nazareth was the Holy One of God. But the devils knew it. Because it was the truth. And the devils know the truth. But they have set themselves against it. And they are reserved in that rebellion. Jesus rebuked them. Hold thy peace. That's not quite the way we say it. We say it, shut up. Hold thy peace. And come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. He didn't hurt him and he came right out. The Lord didn't have to labor in prayer over it. It didn't take him five minutes of praying. It didn't take him a week of fasting. He just spoke the word. They knew who he was. They knew he had authority over them. And he came out. And the people there were all amazed and spake among themselves. And you know what? We want to speak among ourselves. We want to be amazed. We want to speak among ourselves. What a word is this? What a word? Did you hear that? He just spoke the word and the spirit came out. Did you? Those spirits, we know how powerful they are. They're of the supernatural realm. This man spoke and they came out. They were all amazed. Did you see that? 
Wow! What a word is this! I hope you see the exclamation point. Bless the God of heaven for keeping our Bibles so exact. We even get an exclamation point for a statement that you know was an exclamation. It shouldn't surprise you a bit that it's there. And the fame of him went out into every place. Brethren, I want the fame of him to go out in this church because I want us to lay hold of him and know that we have a Savior. You can face anything. If he speaks the word, you will be delivered. And he can deliver in all sorts of ways. Listen, there's, there's going to be a day coming for all of us when we're going to hope that his word is, Go to the angels of the Lord to come in a chariot and to gather us up and to take us home. That's what we're going to hope that word is. Go. Do you think they'll get there late? Do you think they'll get there early? Or will they get there just right? Amen. They're going to get there just in time. And they're going to take us a swing low, sweet chariot. When the Lord Jesus Christ commissions his angel to come and get us and to take us to him. Turn back in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Let's remind ourselves a little bit about the voice of God as we think about the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a word is this! For even the spirits come out at the spoken word of a man, the Lord Jesus, the God-man. Don't ever... Well, when you hear me, hear me right. I'm, I'm never going to deny the full deity of the Lord Jesus Christ He is Jehovah God in the flesh. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Him bodily. The Word of God, which was God and was in the beginning with God, was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. God was manifest in the flesh. He is God blessed forever. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. But He is a man. In His body dwelt the fullness of the Godhead. Colossians 2.9 I want you to know that we have a brother. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. In that He hath suffered being tempted, He is able to succor or help them that are tempted. He is a glorious Savior. He's a wonderful King. He's not a king who was born into wealth and so he doesn't understand poverty. He was born into poverty and so he understands it. He was a man of sorrows, so he understands your sorrow. He's our brother. You can call upon him. He is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He is moved when we have enemies. Haven't you read the Psalms? When David cried unto the Lord in Psalm 18... In my distresses I cried unto the Lord. Then he heard me out of his holy hill. Then the earth shook. Because God stood up to defend his David. And God will stand up to defend you in the hour of your need. He stood up for Stephen. No one else would stand up for Stephen. Where was the rest of that 50,000 member church in Jerusalem? But he stood up on the right hand of God, and delivered Stephen. You say, how did he deliver him? Oh, what a sweet way to go. To see Jesus standing on the right hand of God and to be so filled with the spirit of peace that you could forgive those that are hurling stones at you. I say that's a wonderful way to die. Right. And he stood with the Apostle Paul. All men forsook me, 
Paul said in the last chapter he ever penned, 2 Timothy chapter 3, When I first stood before Caesar, all men forsook me. But the Lord stood with me and delivered me out of the mouth of the lion. And he shall deliver me all the way to his everlasting kingdom. That's the confidence I want you to have. What a word is this. I want you to love the Lord Jesus Christ. What 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 a Savior. He is the King of the universe. And He's our brother. Touched with the feelings of our infirmities and a man of sorrows. Yet the voice of the Lord is glorious and full of majesty. What a combination. A benevolent dictator. A blessed potentate. We can call upon Him and He will come to our rescue. And brethren, he doesn't have to come. Because when you say, come and help me, you, there's a better prayer. Speak the word. Did you, did you enjoy reading Matthew 8 last night in preparation? But speak the word only. And my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, I haven't found so great a faith in all of Israel. I want you to all have that faith before we walk out of here today. When you go outside, the Lord spoke, and He's given us this wonderful day. He's given us this place, this nation, these families, this church, the Word of God, everything we have. He has spoken to us and blessed us already. We want to consider the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ for our comfort, our consolation, our contentment, our courage, our confidence, yes, and our conviction. Because if he's got a voice like that, we want to obey him. Let me, let me take one of my final points for today and bring it up all the way to now. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. This is not some little baby in a manger saying those words to you. This is not some long-haired hermaphrodite hanging on a Catholic crucifix saying this to you. This is not John Lennon standing at some arched door, knocking, trying to gain entrance. Those are all Catholic and pagan caricatures of the Lord Jesus Christ. I speak of the Lord Jesus Christ, whose eyes are as a flame of fire. And out of his mouth is going a sharp, two-edged sword, who sits on a white horse dripping with blood. His feet are like burning brass, and he's girt about with a white girdle all the way around his paps, And when he speaks, it's like the voice of many waters. That's who I'm speaking of. That Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to take comfort in him. When he says, think about it. That's the picture that the Bible wants us to have. That's the picture God wants us to have. That being, that man, that commander, that prince. He's called the prince of the kings of the earth. Revelation chapter 1. He said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. You can believe it. We want to talk about his word. When he says something, he performs it. Because where the word of a king is, there is power. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. The Apostle Paul took that statement, and he sandwiched it with two things we're to learn. In Hebrews 13:5. Let your conversation, your lifestyle... Let your life in this world be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. If you have that king 
as your friend who will never leave you nor forsake you, what else do you need to be happy? So Paul taught contentment with what we have by that statement, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, because he understood the power of the word of Jesus Christ. If Jesus says, I will never leave thee, then everyone else can leave you, but he will not. That's why David could say in Psalm 27 and around verse 10, When my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Amen. But Paul didn't quit with that. Right. Hebrews 13.6 has the word so. Because of that statement, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. What shall man do unto me? Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Do you know what that, that whole thing is based on in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6? The voice of the Lord, Jesus Christ. That when He says something, He means it. That when He says something, there's power with it. That when He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, He will not leave you nor forsake you. So we can be content and we can be courageous. Because no one should cause us fear. Did you follow me? That's how we use the Bible, brethren. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Let's get into the Word of God and have our faith stirred up so that we'll never be afraid of anything because the Lord Jesus Christ just might stand up in heaven and speak the Word for us. Right. You said, Brother Crosby, you said he just might. Well, yeah, he might not have to stand up. Come on. I want you to rejoice in his Word. Yes. He gave Stephen a little bit of an image that helped. It helped. The, Jew, the Jews heard that statement, and they didn't like that, did they? They stopped up their ears. They didn't want to hear anything about Jesus of Nazareth standing at the right hand of God in heaven. Because that would have been one doomsday for their country, wouldn't it have been? They had just crucified the Lord of glory. So they ran on Stephen and stoned him, and he just kept right on calling on the name of the Lord. And I'll tell you, there was a chariot sitting right outside waiting for him, and he was gathered to his people. Solomon said, where the word of a king is, there is power. It's one of the verses I want you to take home. Where the word of a king is, there is power. The centurion understood that, didn't he? I am a man under authority, and I have men under me. I say go, and they go. I say come, and they come. I say do this, and guess what? They do it. They don't go on strike, and they don't go home sick. That's our sick society. They didn't do that to centurions. I don't feel like it today. Ask somebody else to do it. Those are things you may hear on the job, but a centurion didn't hear them very often. If he heard them once, it was the last time he heard them. And the last time they were spoken. And we have a Lord Jesus Christ that is like that, brethren. He's like that. And he's our brother. And he, Do you know what the Bible says? He is not ashamed to call you his brother. Is that in the Bible? That is Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11. Hebrews 2.11, he is not ashamed to call you his brother. When God speaks, as we saw in Psalm 29, his voice is full of majesty and power. When God speaks, he doesn't repent. In Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19, it says, when God speaks, he is not like a man. He doesn't say that he's going to do something and find out that it's going to be a little more costly or a little more difficult than he originally thought and then have to back out of it. But what he says, he makes good. And what he says, he does. 
Numbers 23, 19. We could look at so many verses on some of these points and we'll not have time to do all of that. I want you to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. It says of Him in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, He is the express image of God and He upholds all things by the word of His power. Amen. He upholds all things. Last night I reminded my children, I've reminded you before, you can watch someone who thinks that they're adept with a basketball. They'll put a basketball on their finger and they'll start to spin it. And you'll say, oh, wow, they're spinning a basketball on their finger. They can keep it there for a few seconds before it falls off or it puts a callus on their fingertip. But they've got to keep doing this the whole time to keep that basketball spinning on the fingertip. Oh, look at that. But our Lord Jesus Christ upholds all things by the word of his power. He put a basketball spinning in the universe and it's not on a finger. It's the earth and it's hanging in nothing. It's in the middle of space. It's a blue ball. It's 8,000 miles through, 24,000 miles around, and it's revolving at a speed of 24,000 miles per hour. And it never slows or tomorrow's going to be longer than today. Does it? Is that a glorious thing? He upholds all things with the word of his power. You can count on the earth moving and the sun coming up. You can count on the seasons because he upholds all things with the word of his power. Is your spleen working today? Is your liver processing? Is there a chemical plant inside of you taking care of all kinds of nasty stuff that we throw at it in this generation? Yes, there is. It can even handle hot dogs and keep you alive. It can even turn, can turn a hot dog into nutrients for your body. You have a digestive system in every little philia in your piping system. He upholds by the word of his power. Your heart beats not because you have exercised this past week, nor because you're taking CQ10. Your heart beats because Jesus Christ is upholding it by the word of his power. I love that verse. Where the, where the word of a king is, there is power. Ecclesiastes 8.4, Hebrews 1.3. Jesus Christ upholds all things by the word of his power. Amen. The stars would fall from heaven if he withdrew his, the, his powerful voice. In the temple of God, everyone speaks of his glory. I hope you want to speak of his glory and hear of his glory today. You know, God can roar. You know, the Bible says that the Lord roars. He's trying to get your attention that he sometimes has a loud voice. But you know, he also speaks with that still, small voice. I really loved 1 Kings 19, and I hope you did reading it. Because if you were to read the words that came out of that still, small voice, they were political, earth, nation-changing words. Right. Don't you worry about Ahab and Jezebel. Elijah, still, small voice. Don't you worry about Ahab and Jezebel. You go anoint Haziel, king of Syria. Whoever Haziel doesn't kill, you go anoint Jehu, Jehu will kill. Whoever Jehu doesn't kill, Elisha will kill. And don't worry about not having a successor. I've already raised up a man that's going to have twice your spirit, Elisha. And don't worry about you being alone and no one caring about me anymore because I've got (laughs) 7,000. A still small voice, but it was talking about earth change, nation changing events. Yeah. A 
still small voice. You know, someone who's really an authority doesn't have to yell all the time. Right. Someone who's an authority never yells. Whenever you hear someone yelling, it's because they're out of authority. That's the only way they can get their children's attention. Real authority is just speaking the word and it's done. Centurion didn't have to go throw a rampage in his house to get his soldiers to do what he wanted. He just said, go or come or do this. And the Lord Jesus Christ sometimes has a still, small voice. And I hope that when you are in the privacy of your home or in your bedroom or in your closet and you open up this precious book and you read the words and they may come to you not with a crashing thunder of an earthquake or a tempest or a fire, but it comes to you with a still small voice. It is the word of God and it will move mountains, change political situations, heal the sick. Comfort the soul, and it's going to see you into eternal life. You trust every word here, even when it comes in a still, small voice. Elijah found it to be true. Elijah left that mountain and went right back to Israel. He came there in fear, running for his life because of Jezebel. He went back in confidence because he had heard the still, small voice of God. Don't you worry about a thing will take care of Jezebel. And did the Lord take care of her? I have to chase this rabbit for just a couple of seconds. What are my three favorite what are my three favorite words in the Old Testament? Throw her down. Remember Jehu rode into Samaria? She stuck her head out the window with a hat on, and Jehu said, Who is on my side? And the Bible says two or three eunuchs looked out, and Jehu said, Throw her down. My five favorite words in the Old Testament, what are they? So they threw her down. I love that exchange. Elijah had been afraid of that woman. That woman had said, the gods do, the gods do so to me and more so also if I don't make your life like one of them by this time tomorrow. A lot of talk. A lot of hot air. Jehu rode his horse over her and trampled her body underneath his horse tied it up at the rail, went inside, got himself a cold one. For those of you that are still having trouble with that, cold anything. Got himself a cold one and sat down and ate. And when he went back outside, what did he find in the street? He found the palms of her hands and her feet and her skull. She'd been eaten by the dogs while he was having dinner. You know how that was all put into place? Now listen. Do you know how that was all put into place? By a still small voice. Right. Praise the God of heaven. Amen. By a still small voice. Genesis chapter 1. I need to take you here for a second to tell you that we do believe in the Big Bang Theory. Genesis chapter 1. We believe in the Big Bang Theory. God spoke and bang, it happened. Amen. You know what it says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3? Let there be light. What do you read next? And there was light. How in the world can you do that? You know, we go over and hit a switch. Do you know how much work and genius and witty inventions and labor and time and planning and logistics have gone into the work of you being able to flip a switch and have a light come on? And do you know how bright that light is? You need another one about two seconds. If you move ten feet, you need another one. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Was there a sun yet? No. Was there a moon yet? Were there stars yet? 
No, that was three days later on day number four. Let there be light. And there was light. You know, they talk about stars taking thousands of light years for their light to get to earth. Do you think Adam ever saw a star? Come on, are you with me? He created the light and it filled that whole spectrum. Then he put the object that creates light at the back end of it. Adam saw stars. Abraham saw stars. Didn't God take Abraham outside and say, count the stars. Tell the tale of them. Meaning, count them all up. That's the number of your seed. They didn't take thousands of light years to get here because he said, let there be light. And there wasn't light at one point and it had to rush toward earth at 176,000 miles per second. It filled the universe. Let there be light. Now you say, why are you chasing that down in Genesis chapter 1? Because I want to say this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it tells me that if you love the Lord Jesus Christ and see anything about him, that same God has said, let there be light in your soul. But God, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. But we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. But God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts, that we might see the glorious image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That same power is what regenerates souls. And they think they can do it by having a motorcycle rally. They think they can do it by two Sunday school superintendents who are having a contest, throw a pie in each other's face. I'm going to tell you, anybody that ever sees the Lord Jesus Christ and truly believes on Him, and it results in a changed life, it's because God said, let there be light in His soul. If God had not said, let there be light, there would be no light there. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. God made everything out of nothing. That's good. All we can do is transform things. We've never made anything out of nothing. We're good at transforming things. You know, real good. We are. Yep. We can take wood and make a pencil. We can take leftover wood and make toilet paper. We're good. All we can do is transform stuff and convert stuff. He made all things. Out of nothing. Praise his great and glorious name. Verse 6. And God said. We need a firmament. Do you think there was one? Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. That's called heaven. The first heaven where the birds fly. Where the planes fly now. You say we made planes. Oh yeah. Ever compare a plane to a hummingbird? Verse 9, and God said, let the waters be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. You better be thankful for that or we wouldn't have Greenville, South Carolina. Do you know what it says at the end of verse 9? Do you see those four little words there? What are they? And it was so. What does the little word so mean? It's an adverb. And it was exactly the way God said it. And it was so. It was so the way God said it. Everything else you can follow down through this chapter. God said it, and it was so. 
And it's this glorious power that he has that he's shown toward us in the fact that we see and know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us go to Matthew chapter 8 where we were last night in our preparatory reading. Matthew chapter 8. Oh, I hope you read it. I send those chapters out so that you can prepare your souls and have a wonderful time with your family. I had a wonderful time with my family, my little family last night, and it's getting smaller. Pretty soon it'll be Sherry and me. Amen, brother. My children are getting married. They're leaving home, and it's dwindling. They come back, though. I'm thankful to share them with some other families. Matthew chapter 8. Verse 1. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. In Luke chapter 5 we are told that this man was full of leprosy. He didn't have a spot on his ear. He didn't have a spot on his arm. The Bible tells us in Luke 5, this man was full of leprosy. And he came to Lord Jesus Christ because he knew the Lord Jesus Christ could heal him. Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. You can make me whole. You can put me back together again. And the Lord wants, what does the Bible say? You have not because you ask not. We should believe his power. And we should go to him and ask for the things that we have need of. He's waiting. He already knows what we need, but he wants us to ask. Because when we ask, we show our faith, we show our trust, and we show our dependence upon him. Jesus touched him. When was the last time this man had been touched? Full of leprosy. Jesus touched him and said, I will. Be thou clean. Did he need to say any more than that? Did he have to slay him in the spirit five times? Did he have any of his handlers check him out to make sure that he was going to fall into the psychosis and fall down on the stage? No. Jesus said to him, you can go right now and offer the gift that Moses commanded. Because if you go to the priest right now, they're going to examine you by my strict credential, my strict requirements of the book of Leviticus. And you're going to pass. I want you to think the man was full of leprosy. The man was full of leprosy. He was healed immediately by the word only. And he could go to the priests and he would qualify based on the the strict definition of being cured of leprosy in the book of Leviticus. You know, these faith healers today, they will not subject their healing ministries to any outside people that would prove them wrong. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't need any of that. This man was full of leprosy. He worshipped him. If you'll worship the Lord Jesus Christ and put your trust in him, he will deliver you in your time of need, and he will keep delivering you. I will be thou clean. You know and I know 
brethren, that the Bible says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Jesus Christ has said, I will have mercy upon you. I will have compassion upon you. That is the basis of our salvation. God has said, I will have mercy and I will have compassion upon you. And I will make you accepted in my beloved. The Bible teaches us that in other places. That is not my primary point. But I want you to remember that it was God that said, I will. That's the basis of our salvation. God says, I will first. And he changes us so that we say, I will. And we offer up, we offer up our gift to God as a testimony that we're already cleansed. And do you know what that gift is? It's water baptism. It's the answer of a good conscience toward God in 1 Peter 3.21. All we're doing is thanking God for the good conscience we have because he said, I will. I want you to focus on the words. I will. It's his choice. It's his will. He has absolute authority in the universe. He didn't have to ask Congress for permission. He didn't have to have an interpretation by the Supreme Court. He said, I will. Be thou clean. Five words. And immediately, immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Praise the Lord. Full of leprosy, the healing power of Jesus immediately made him fit for the strict definition of healing in the book of Leviticus. Do you trust that word today? I will. You know, you may ask, how do I know that God's willing to help me? How do I know that God's willing? You are his children. And he has said, he said, he said, if ye, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to them that ask him? That's how you can know. We are the children of the living God. We are the brethren of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are joint heirs with Christ. As much as God approved of the Lord Jesus Christ and loved him and, and heard his every prayer, he loves us and hears our every prayer. As much as he loved Abraham. The Bible says if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. He is willing. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. His ear is not stopped up that it cannot hear. His right hand is still as strong as it's ever been. His right ear is still as acute in hearing as it ever was. But our sins separate us from our God. So you've got to ask yourself, What about my sins? Have they separated me from Jesus Christ speaking on my behalf? And then if you don't ask, this man came and asked. He worshipped him. He worshipped him. You have not because you asked. And I want to point out what's in the text, if you'll read it closely enough. That's how Jesus Christ speaks. That's Matthew 8, the first example. Oh, we come to verse 5. Let's read for a few verses. 
And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth. And to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into utter darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way. And as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Praise the Lord. Here's a Gentile centurion of the Roman army that was delivered. His servant was delivered because he came to the Lord Jesus Christ and he had great faith. And what was his great faith? His great faith was that Jesus Christ had the authority over sickness and that he could order sickness around in the same way that this centurion's legionnaires or legion commanders ordered him around in the same way he ordered his soldiers around. And that is a wonderful thought and a wonderful concept. And it was inspired by God and placed in the scriptures for you and for me. These are not wasted words. That we are to understand when Jesus said, I have not seen so great faith that this is the kind of faith we want. And what kind of faith is it? We don't have to see the presence of Jesus. We don't have to have him come to us. He can speak the word from his throne where he sits at the right hand of God. But speak the word only. Don't do anything else. I know that you have incredible authority by your word. The same kind of authority that is over me the same kind of authority I have over those under me. I love those words, and you should love them as well. Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. You don't need to come. You know, all this was arranged by the Lord of glory for your and my learning. You know that? Do you know why Jesus cut him off so quickly and said, I will come and heal him so that we could have this exchange right here and that you could be comforted? But speak the word only. There's a Savior, and you can call on Him, and He'll speak the Word. He has delivered men for 6,000 years or longer, and He can deliver you. The centurion didn't count himself worthy of the Lord's presence. The Lord loves that kind of humility. To whom will the Lord approach? To him that is of a humble and contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. The centurion understood that. The healing miracle was according to the man's faith. Do you believe that? Are you able to go to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, speak the word. Just speak the word, and I know it will be done. Do you have faith like that? What an example. I love the centurion. Never forget him. Use him in your prayers. Speak the word. We come down to verse 16. We're looking for example number three in this chapter. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. When the even was come, 
they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. This is what we first read in Luke chapter 4, where we read that a man with an unclean devil in him in the synagogue was healed. And we had the words, what a word is this? This is a further explaining, explaining of that in that there were many in that condition. Many were brought to the Lord Jesus Christ with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word. That is how powerful the Lord Jesus Christ is. He can speak the word on a daily basis, in a family basis, in a financial matter, in a health matter, in a business matter. He can speak the word, and we trust him. Amen. He's able. Amen. He's willing. And there's no limit to his power. Amen. We come to verse 23. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Exclamation point in your King James Bibles. Thank you, Lord. Exclamation point. What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? He arose and rebuked the winds and the storm. It called it a great tempest on the front end. It calls it a... Great calm on the back end. Do you think that the, the lake, the Sea of Galilee was like a mirror? You bet it was. It was like a mirror when he finished rebuking the winds and the waves. That's why I believe that he spoke the word when I was 20 years old in the city of Ann Arbor. And let those hippies that were high as a kite. This is 19, this is 1977. In Ann Arbor, Michigan, let them see a little display of his glorious majesty in that thunder. That was 30 years ago. He spoke the word. What was the word from the other gospel accounts? What did he say? Peace. Be still. You know, when we sing a song that has PP or P telling us that we're supposed to sing it softly. I don't know where they got that idea from. I mean, he does use a still, small voice, but here it tells us he rebuked the winds and the waves, and usually we don't rebuke with a very still and small voice. He told the waves to shut up. Peace! Be still! He ordered them, and there was a great calm. And they were amazed that this man, and what is who is this man? The man Christ Jesus, the God-man, our Savior, and our Lord. He can rebuke the winds and the sea. You're not going to run into anything harder than that in your life here in this world. And he can rebuke them. He can take care. Listen, the Bible says if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. There is another thing for you to think about when you're wondering, why doesn't God speak on my behalf in my life? Do you have sin separating between you and God? 
Have you asked him? And have you asked in faith? Because if you don't ask in faith, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. If you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you could move the mountains in your life. What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Exclamation point. The Lord Jesus Christ has such a word of power. The word of a king. Where there is the word of a king, there is power. And the Lord Jesus Christ has that power. One more. Verse 28. And when he was coming to the other side, into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them and heard of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything and what was befallen to the possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coast. I want him to come into my coast. I want him in my coast. I want him on my property with me day and night. They didn't want him there any longer. I want you to notice the word go. Go. They had to ask him permission to go into pigs. When he said go, they didn't go anywhere they wanted to. They went where he was allowing them to go. Into the pigs. When he said go, they had to come out of the two men that they were in. When he said go, there was enough of them that they caused a whole herd of a couple thousand swine to go drown themselves violently in the water. And when we read the account in the other Gospels, the man was instantly in his right mind and put on clothes and sat at the feet of Jesus and said, I don't want to leave you. Don't make me leave you. And Jesus said, go home. And tell your family what great things God hath done for thee. Amen. He had spoken the word, go. We can think of Job. Satan stood before the Lord. And the Lord said, have you considered my servant Job, that there's none like him in the earth? Fears God and eschews evil. Satan said, well, there's a good reason. You've put a hedge about him and you won't let me touch him. Take away that hedge. And let me have Adam, and he'll curse you to your face. So the Lord put a limit on Satan and said, you can touch all that he hath, but don't touch him. Do you, do you get, are you able to forget Job for a minute? Just look, just look at the relationship between God and the devil. Amen. The devil couldn't do anything God didn't give him permission to do. Only to that point could the devil go. The devil knew before the book even got started. That Job was the way he was because God had put a hedge about him. Do you think there's any value in us praying for God to put a hedge about us and to protect us from the devil and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil? And then when the devil asked for him, the Lord said, only his stuff, no further. Then when the devil asked for his skin, only his skin, no further, not his life. 
The Lord Jesus Christ has that kind of power and control over the devil. They operate at his leave. They cannot touch anyone without his leave. We don't need a whole bunch of preaching about the power of the devil. We need a whole bunch of preaching about the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And you need to put your trust in him. Right. They know him and they know all true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go. And the devils went where the Lord Jesus Christ directed them, and they came out of the two men of the Gergesenes. What a word is this. He can speak a word on your behalf. The Lord Jesus Christ is king, and he's your and my brother. May Jesus Christ be praised. Amen.